I feel like I want to start with apologies. I, I really, I didn't feel like recording for the last two days, and I think you can tell. And I'm really embarrassed for the last two recordings. They were really out of, uh, out of context, out of whack. And even yesterday, I, I, I really didn't feel it. In fact, when I published my recording, I, I didn't record. I didn't publish with uh, AudioMo hashtags because I didn't want this to be um, promoted too much. <laughs> I just wanted to contribute something for the challenge, for the, you know, to make it count for this monthly challenge of audio recording per day or every day, whatever. Um, yeah, when I'm looking back, this is usually what happens. I record three, four, uh, maybe five recordings in a new um, project and then I, uh, I lose interest. No, not really, not that. I somehow get blocked. I sometimes somehow get tired and exhausted and I, I can't really uh, do anything more over those couple of episodes. And I've been always uh, very frustrated by that. I've been always very uh, disappointed with myself because uh, it would just prevent me from starting anything because I, I knew that. Um, well, why, why bother if I just start and just as quick as I started, I finish it even faster. You know, so much effort goes into setting up uh, a website, a, a cover image, all the meta information, and I record a few episodes and I, I never follow through. So for the last two days when I felt not up to snuff, that's so that's the expression. Uh, well, I, I didn't feel it and I, I forced myself through it and I, I'm really happy I did because I would probably just say, well, this is not good enough and I would just uh, skip the day or two. And would that be a better way to approach this? I don't know because I don't really know if I would ever come back. And you know what, I'll just keep on publishing just for sake of it, even if uh, quality isn't, isn't that good. Even this recording is probably just, just for myself, to explain myself uh, just for my sake. And maybe this is what the audio mode challenge is all about. Maybe this is more for me rather than for you. Uh, maybe uh, the audio bed that you have in the background, the noises from Berlin's uh, streets on a warm Thursday afternoon. Maybe this gives you uh, enough to tune in every day. Yeah, I'm back to my fancy recorder and I, I feel way more inspired with it. Uh, way, uh, way more engaged in the, in the uh, recording session. I think there is something to uh, the fact that uh, I can hear my surroundings so well and uh, you know I hear my voice <laughs> inside of my head this is exactly what recording is like because when I record I always wear headphones and I can uh, hear everything amplified it never fails to be surreal in that way uh, I gotta say uh, I started to podcast like that many years ago uh, maybe 10 years ago I did my first recording like that and I was really shy to to do that publicly 
because carrying a microphone like that uh, was kind of, I didn't feel confident enough. To, those days, I, well, first of all, I don't care. And second of all, people don't really pay attention. And this is something maybe worth discussing. Um, people those days engage in so many weird devices, even especially in those well-developed countries like Germany. There is no scarcity of weird vehicles, weird uh, handheld devices that people carry. No one really minds a handheld recorder. And maybe there is another issue, issue of privacy. People don't really want to stare. Um, in some other countries, people always stare and they always analyze you and they always uh, I want to see if a uh, if person that's in front of them, it could be uh, dangerous or I don't know if it could be up to no good you know carrying a microphone like like I do with this big fuzzy hair is is odd and uh, I wonder when I walk and record like that I uh, I may seem like uh, an interviewer street interviewer who just may approach anybody <laughs> and start conversation um, this might be intimidating to many and maybe they just don't look at me so they don't want to engage in a possible interview. Um, I remember I, I used to be really intrigued by, uh, by something like that, you know, uh, street interviews. Uh, ever since I've listened to um, recordings from Clay Pigeon on WFMU, I was so amazed with uh, what he's doing. If, you, if you're not familiar with WFMU, it's um, community radio uh, from New Jersey, and they're, they're known to be really underground, really um, avant-garde, and really courageous on the radio waves. Um, they have quite a nice archive on the web, and uh, the, the DJ I'm discussing right now, Clay Pigeon, um, he's there as well. Check it out. He's recording on audio tapes. He's processing them uh, digitally. Uh, that makes it sound really uniquely because you get all those imperfections from, uh, from tape, you know, tempo changes, audio is muffled randomly and all that. And he's mixing it really, really masterfully. I really like that. So what he does is he, he's got this show for a very long time, a um, couple of decades, I think, and he's interviewing people on the streets and he's just, he's starting interview, but then he takes a conversation elsewhere and it, it really goes on tangents and then he mixes it all up with uh, something that could be described as radio plays. But audio drama kind of thing. Uh, he's pr producing um, characters, he's narrating characters with different voices that he makes. It's really profound, really uh, unappreciated. Uh, In fact, um, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe uh, just no one knows Clay Pigeon in my neck of the woods. Maybe uh, he's more recognized elsewhere because somebody did a documentary about him it's called One October, and um, unfortunately I can't watch it in Europe. 
uh, none of the streaming services allow it. Uh, but maybe just a matter of time and maybe I will uh, get it through official or unofficial ways of uh, obtaining. <laughs> I don't want to get with details so I don't uh, get into trouble but uh, yeah I hope I can buy it. Uh, if I won't be able to I will I'll figure it out. Um, but yeah I remember the first time I've, uh, I've heard Clay Pigeon I, I, I tried to do the same thing and my English was way worse and uh, my confidence was much lower uh, but even with that I was really getting I was going for it and I was talking to people I was making up uh, my backstory I was saying I'm, I'm doing uh, I'm recording material for a local station which in Ireland there was a lot of community radio stations and people were uh, or are approaching radio very seriously so uh, they were really liking it they really wanted to speak with me and to me and uh, I was trying to do the same what Clay uh, was doing you know taking it into uh, conversation mode and I think I was succeeding I was I was I was into some I was, I was up, to, up to something there and uh, sorry I'm getting messages and uh, yeah okay I'm getting distracted here um, and yeah unfortunately I remember I was it was so exhausting for me emotionally <laughs> It was completely out of my comfort zone, and uh, I, I think I recorded three episodes like that. That uh, maybe were two or three. Uh, what I'm saying, uh, ten, fifteen minutes long, and I, um, I stopped because it was just too draining. <laughs> but now when I'm looking back, I think I should really, uh, I should have really keep on, kept on doing it because. Uh, Recording on their own is, is one thing, but uh, getting people into the mix adds so much more. And today it's more difficult to do it because you know I live in a German-speaking country and I, I don't really want to do a show in German even. Um, needless to say, I, or, or worth mentioning, I, I can't speak German, so <laughs> it's difficult to make it uh, the same way. But. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I should try and just look for people who speak English and, and do it anyway. I will. Um, I'll try to find all the recordings I did for that uh, project, and I will. I'll plug it in here at the end. Uh, I don't know. I need to think about titling this episode. I. I, I seem to be just rambling about random topics and. <laughs> maybe clay pigeons mention will save uh, coherency of this of this entry well um thanks for listening i hope i um i've shared something relevant to you and your interests and um i would like to thank uh, barbara kb once again for calling in um i'm not sure if i if i thank thanked her enough I, I really appreciate engagement like that you can call me in you can call in as well uh, using anchor app just look for conscious monkeys and you can leave a message and i will add you into the mix and i'll be very happy to do that anyway thank you for listening and i'll speak to you tomorrow that was audio mo for day seven
And now my old recording from uh, six or seven years ago. Enjoy. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. There was a study released today that about 50,000 people are expected to migrate from Ireland this year. What are your thoughts on that? Well, very disappointed. Uh, obviously, I mean, uh, like many other people, it's back to the days of the uh, the bad old days, the 1980s, when people had no real employment prospects and had to were forced to go away. The only trouble is, this time around, there aren't as many options. The Irish potato famine, or the Great Hunger, was a devastating time for all Irish. The famine years was a tragic period in Irish history between 1845 and 1851. During the Great Famine, over one million Irish died of hunger or disease. More than a million and a half people were forced to immigrate. The famine immigrants flocked to many cities along the east coast of North America and have had long-lasting effects on all the places in which they have settled. The Irish influence was felt dramatically in Boston. They have shaped the social, religious, and political culture of the city. You're listening to Montreux Train Radio. Yeah, I mean, it's a very difficult and sad situation. Um, I think Ireland's always been a small country, susceptible to economic shocks, so it's maybe unrealistic to think everyone can have a job here, but it's, yeah, it's very sad. Do you have a job yourself? I have a job, yeah. I'm quite lucky, so... How flexible you would be, you think, in terms of moving? When would you consider moving abroad? I, I don't think I would now, but when I left college, I went. I didn't have a job here, and I went to London. And I lived in London for two and a half years, and I was lucky I got the, got the job and came back. But I often think maybe if things have been different, I could still be in London. But I was young then, I didn't really, you know, it was, it was just, it wasn't a big deal, but now I wouldn't. I don't think I could do it at this stage, but getting less easy. Yeah, I think it's it's. I'm not saying it's easy for anyone, but I think it's easier when you're younger. It's Maybe mental block. I'm settled now. I have mortgage, so I think it'd be a lot harder the older you get. What emotions would you associate with Ireland nowadays? It's mixed emotions. I mean, sometimes you see people angry and you watch the news. But then I've been in pubs recently and the pubs are packed and everyone seems happy. Now maybe they're the people with jobs, but and I've worked, I work, I've taken a pay cut myself and I've worked with people that take pay cuts and people get on with it. So I'm, it's hard to know. I think it's a very personal thing. If I lost my job, I'm sure I'd be very angry. But you see the people around, it's it's hard to know. I don't think it's exactly what you see on the news. I think a lot of the commentary is dominated by the negative stuff which is understandable but I don't think good things are happening as well and maybe they don't get as much focus sure. uh, for me at the moment it's okay because I'm in the college so I don't know if this is a future because a few of my friends is finished the college and it's, uh, they are very hard getting the job and uh, they just uh, like go to uh, their own country and it's I hope the future is better, but now it's uh, I know it's really hard. So, but anyway, it's by law, so I don't what I can do. And what are you studying? Uh, accounting. 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 Yeah. And would you would you plan to stay in Ireland when you graduate? Well, it will be stay if I can find the job or even get somewhere for training. I will will be stay for a few years. If I cannot job. Only way is I go back to my country. Or would you consider different countries? 
but it would be say it probably it's probably yeah but uh, like the whole world now at the moment is not that good yeah. so that's why sure what's your name Jin Jin all the best okay we'll just try this in future right. thanks and this is what I found back in China The economy is set to grow by one and a half percent this year, with exports increasing by six percent. Because you're mine. But a further 25,000 jobs will be lost, and the ESRI believes some 50,000 people will emigrate this year. We really need to see Irish consumers going out again and spending before we see a significant employment uh, pickup. Uh, given you know the state of consumer confidence, given what people are looking at in terms of instability of their jobs, concerns about their wages, concerns about their tax bills, it's very very hard to see uh, Irish consumers reacting positively uh, over the next couple of years. So we kind of see consumption as being somewhat depressed, and as a result, the employment picture looks depressed as well. The ESRI believes 100,000 people will leave the country over the next two years, most of them in the high-spending 20 to 45-year age group. And without them, the economy will struggle to grow as strongly as the government hopes. Do you have a job yourself? No, never had a job, never worked. Uh, well, there's no work, is there? Or less work? I don't know what to say. There's no work, they have to go. The cowan screwed up the whole thing. The country. I drink coffee in coffee houses and uh, I drink wine at home. I smoke cigarettes. I talk to friends on the phone, talk to friends in person. And what do you do for a living? Never did anything for a living. Are you an artist? No, I studied. I was at UCD, but I, I dropped out. I was solicitor's apprentice. I dropped out. Uh, that's about it. Uh, well, it's, well, for me, I'm 65, so uh, there's no point in me leaving Ireland. Sure. I've got about 15 years left to live. 
I'm sorry uh, about the state of affairs that I can't do anything about it. Now, I'm not broke, but badly bent. I'm not down to my last cent, cause I got a dollar, but it's my last dollar bill. <laughs> yes, sir. In my pockets, there's a dent. All my dough is nearly spent, but I got a dollar, and it's my last dollar bill. I'm not surprised, really. Yeah. How does it relate to you? Well, I just got paid today. I got taxed very high, so <laughs> I'm not surprised, really. Are you feeling safe about life now? Yeah, well, I'm just trying to continue on and not let the recession get me down. <laughs> very good. Thanks a lot. <laughs> no problem. All the best. Well, we went to, as was hundreds of thousands, leaving every, leaving every week. Back in the 40s and the 50s. When we were young, we had no money. But do you have plenty of money today? Even the unemployed. Yeah, we've read a very selfish race. That's what has happened. That's what's happened. Really, yeah. We know there's an awful lot of people leaving the country, but there's an awful lot of people going away because they want to go away and see. Or summer holidays, or yeah, go off to Australia for a year. College, they take a year out. Take yeah. a year out. Lots of them want to do that. Want to do that, but then again, there is not a lot of professional people that can't get work here. I've gone away. You are listening to Mantle Play.